Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jot Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome, everybody. Episode 13 of Jock Talk. Hope you are prepared to be entertained and dazzled for the next, I don't know, hour or so. Big Joe and the Big Rig. What's happening, dog? It's all good. Let's get it. That's what I'd like to hear. Uh, we got a jam-packed show today. You know what? Uh, there's a lot going on because I had to kick out a couple things I wanted to add simply because we don't have time to talk about today because I got some projects for uh, Anscape I'm working on. Uh, they used to be the undefeated for ESPN, and I got to get them done, and then I got to uh, head out to the Cowboys because uh, Dak talks today. Uh, so it's a jam-packed day. We're recording on a Thursday morning, but you know, now I, I keep it real with you. Ain't none of this possible without sponsorship and support from people like Greeny Law. And I'm telling you, because my boy, Matt McLaren, was involved in something like this. If you're involved in an accident and you get hurt and it's not your fault, because that's what happened to Matt, my former partner on my podcast, Jam Session. First thing he did was picked up the phone and called the peak, the good friends over there at Greening Law, 972-934-8900. Now, here's what you got to understand. Consultation is free. That means it don't cost you nothing to pick up the phone and say, hey, here's my situation. What do you think? And I'm telling you, if they bring you on as a client, it's your lucky day, for real. Um, but you ain't got to take my word for it. You can go to the website, greeninglaw.com, and look at, looks, look at some of the testimonials from people that they've helped, and you can form your own opinion. But the reason why you want to call Greening Law if you get hurt and it's not your fault and you're not at the crib is this. You're going up against somebody else's insurance company. I assume they don't want to pay. So you need somebody to walk you through the process. And the process can be long. It can be tedious. It can be draining. And you need to spend that time on rest and renewal so you get your body back right. You don't need to be spending your time fighting. Let Green and Law do that heavy lifting. Let them fight for you. And um, they'll go to work for you. Why? They don't get paid unless you get paid. Did you hear that? They don't get paid at all. Zero, zip, zips, nada, unless you get paid. So they're going to work for you as hard as they can. They're going to grind for you as hard as they can. And the main thing is they take a lot of the guesswork out of the process, man. They tell you when to walk, when to run, when to stand still. And who doesn't want that kind of help, that kind of leadership? Greening Law can do that for you. Give them a call, 972-934-8900. If it's not your fault and you've gotten in an accident and you've gotten hurt, let them help you, okay? 972-934-8900. Grinning Law. Now, I got to tell you, man, this, this is the game we've been waiting for, I don't know, since the season started, to me. Yep. It's um, San Francisco, it's Dallas. They should both be undefeated, but hey, you know, beggars can't be choosy. Uh, the Cowboys, you know what, man? I, you know, it's just, maybe it's just me. I doubt it, but maybe it's just me. The Cardinals are a bad team. I don't know how they got their head kicked in by the Cardinals when you look at what they've done to everybody else, and you look at what everybody else has done to the Cardinals. It's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's pro sports, and if you don't come to play on a given day, 
Everybody else is a professional. And uh, as I always like to say, what's that dude used to play for the... Okay, somebody help me out. What's that dude who used to play for the Mavericks, uh, went to Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri, was a first-round pick, Tony something? Tony Sutton? No. I mean, that was a quality guess, but it's Tony something. Uh, now I got to go to the videotape because it's driving me crazy. Uh, what's that dude's name? He was a first-round pick for the Mavericks, didn't do much. But my whole point is, Everybody who's NBA, um, for the most part, used to be a star somewhere else, whether it was high school or whether it's college. And uh, and this dude came off the bench because I was at the game as a fan that night. Was it Doug Smith? It wasn't Doug Smith, was it? No, his name was Tony. Tony. And uh, he hit 35 points because I ain't going to never forget it. Tony Dumas. Tony Dumas. Boy, you got me. The only player in Missouri, Kansas City history to ever be drafted into the NBA and the first Dallas Maverick to participate in NBA All-Star Weekend. And my point was, Tony Dumas showed up one day and dropped 35 on whoever they were playing. And I was just like, I forgot that he may be the 12th man on the bench, but he's still in the NBA. (laughs) Which means on a given night, and it might not happen but once or twice in his career, but on a given night, he can, he can go back and play like he was in high school. And I assume that's what happened to the Mavericks. Uh, the yeah. Cardinals, all professional. I mean, what happened to the Cowboys? The Cardinals, all professional, showed up one day and just put it, I mean, just put it down on your Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, the way they beat up New England, I mean, I don't know, man. That's, what I, was, trying to... that's what I was saying about Joshua Hobbs. You know, if you, he got, he got, he, if he gets squarely, it's on. Yeah, I remember you saying that. I remember chuckling to myself like, whatever, dog, shut up. Uh, And then it happened. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's it's just weird. But they did all the things that you got to do to breathe life into somebody and gave them a lot of confidence. Anyway, my whole point is I wish they were both undefeated, but it's not. then the hype would have been out of control. Um, So instead, we got this game here. Um, When you look at the Cowboys' offense, to me – to me, that's where the game will be won or lost. And here's what I mean. If I take a big picture look, San Francisco offense the last two years has done what it had to do against the Cowboys. Uh, and especially two years ago, they ran the ball really well, controlled the game. But last year, they didn't really get the Cowboys a whole lot of problems early in the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys really just controlled them for most of the game. And had they made a couple plays here or there, they would have really turned in an outstanding overall performance. So I'm not so worried about them. But the Cowboys offense, when you look at it, um, you got to figure out how they're going to consistently move the ball against San Francisco. Do you like what you've seen so far? Um, Tony Pollard, six carries for 22 yards in the game last year, didn't really get a chance to do his thing. And so he's going to be huge in terms of can they get him established can they make him a force? Can he have some big plays? Uh, can they make him a weapon? Can they use him to make San Francisco go, dog, this guy going off, we got to control him. Uh, otherwise, we have no chance. And so, you know, one thing the Cowboys have done this year, because running game has been off and on. I mean, Tony Pilots looked okay to me, fine. I mean, I, I don't even think about his broken leg anymore. 
Um, he talked yesterday at the Star about really being frustrated in a playoff game, watching his team lose, being hurt, not really being able to help him. And uh, all of that makes uh, quite a bit of sense to me. But the other thing they've done with their running game, man, is they've, got, they've tried to get CeeDee Lamb involved in it two or three times a game uh, and give him an opportunity to run. Uh, they gave Turpin an opportunity to run last week. He went 54 yards. I want to see, do you think the quarterback will get some opportunities to run this week? I think, I think the biggest thing to me is uh, the, the people up front. Is Beatrice, is he okay? Is, Talked um, to him yesterday. He said he was all right. Number 70, how's he feeling? That's my guy right there. That's the, road, that's the Hall of Fame road grader right there. It, 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 everything goes through him because he makes Steele and Beatrice better. And then Tyler was Tyler was nicked up, and then is the big 77 going to play. Them Smith brothers, they're not brothers, but the Smith boys, they're going to play. You know how no, good. Ty, Tyron Smith is out. So he's going to be. It's going to be a doga over oh, at left tackle yeah. dealing with, uh, well. with uh, Nick Bosa. Well. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's, that's clearly a mismatch. Roger Although, that. a lot of y'all have wondered, a lot of y'all have wondered, why don't they put Tyler Smith at tackle and put Edoga at guard? And here's the answer. The, the answer is, they, they, and here's what you got to remember, always, sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, a month, a year from now. Things change. Look at the divorce rate. Things change. So uh, they think they have, they have changed their mind on Tyler Smith. It'll be interesting, very interesting to see if the change is a long-term change or a short-term change. And when I say they changed their mind on Tyler Smith, they now believe that Tyler Smith can be basically Zach Martin. They think he can be a Hall of Fame caliber guard. The question is, even though they drafted him to be their left tackle of the future, do you want an outstanding left tackle or do you want a Hall of Fame guard? That's the question they're posing. Now, the other part of that question is, they think Edoga, don't matter what y'all think, this is what they think. When I say they, Mike McCarthy, uh, the front office, the coaching staff, Will McClay. They think Edoga is a better tackle than he is a guard. They think he aight a guard. They think he aight plus a tackle. Okay, so maybe he's a five as a guard. Maybe he's a six as a tackle, but he's a better tackle than he is a guard. All of so that, that, all of that gonna change after Sunday. All of that gonna change when both of Taz's ass up. They gonna flip Tyler out there. I'm predicting that. Okay, well, then it ain't going to matter because it's going to be too late because you didn't get you didn't get the deck destroyed and you lost the game. Uh, I think that they it'll be interesting to see what their plan is because obviously Nick Bosa against the Doga is a mismatch. So, do you have Jake Ferguson over there on that side the whole game, chipping him and messing with him? I mean, how do you attack Bosa so that he does not destroy the game? Um, now, other teams have done this throughout the year because Bosa's off to a quiet start for him for the same reason Michael Parsons, you know, has issues from time to time. Teams are double and triple teaming Nick Bosa because they don't want him to wreck the game. And so it's opened up opportunities for other defensive players to, uh, to get sacks and make plays. And uh, it's, it, that's one of the matchups that the Cowboys have to figure out. Just like San Francisco got to figure out what they're going to do 
with Michael Parsons and how they're going to stop him from wrecking the game. Cowboys got to figure out what they're going to do with Idoga and um, Nick Bosa to stop him from wrecking the game. Uh, I think a lot of that will be, and you tell me, man, some of that might be running at him to control him. Some of that might be some three and five step, get the ball out quick, even quicker than usual, which is uh, what this offense is designed to do. And then some of it needs to be you need to stay out of uh, long-distance third-down situations, and you just need to, uh, you need to have some offensive success running the ball so that he just can't say, oh, you know, let me, uh, let me just go attack quarterback. Let me stop the run on the way to the quarterback because uh, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a big challenge for them offensively. And to me, that's where the game is going to be won or lost. What do you think? I think you got to get the ball out fast and run the ball. This the three three of the things you said. Get the ball out fast. Keep stay ahead of the chains, and and maybe run at him. I don't know if chipping him, chipping him, chipping him takes a guy out the passing game. Yeah, but I mean you know you, I mean you, I mean whether you chip him, whether you double team him, I mean the back back there, whether it's Tony Pollard, uh, you know it'll be interesting. Today will be a big day. This and we're recording this on, on Thursday morning. Today will be a big day to determine whether um, uh, Rico Dowdle's going to be able to play uh, because he's got a bruised hip. And so it's just, a, you know, it's a, it's a matter of whether he can function and whether they think he can get through the game. Because the worst thing in the world is you put a guy in your 53 for the game and then six plays into the game, he hurt. It's like, you, it's like you're playing with 52. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see whether uh, they wait till Friday. If they don't think Dowdle will play, then at some point they'll elevate uh, Malik Davis from the practice squad. And the question will be, when will they do that? Will they do that Saturday? Will they wait till the very last minute to try to do it? Will they do it Friday because they know? Or will they not do it, which means they think Rigo can play and he can last the whole game? Um, so all of that uh, is interesting. They also got to get the ball to um, your boy CeeDee Lamb. And I think San Francisco will have a plan for CeeDee Lamb. Why wouldn't they? He's one of the best receivers in the league. And so the question will be to me, is this the week that your boy, uh, Brandon Cook, takes the top off of defense and makes a play? Because he hadn't really made any big plays yet. He's, he's been obviously bothered a little bit by the injury, but he hadn't really done much yet. And so I'm always curious, like, is this the week they do it? And here's what I'm talking about. Cowboys had so many blowouts. I don't know that they put their whole playbook out there. I don't know that they've done everything that they got on office. I think there's still quite a bit left, and uh, I'm interested to see. So, Brandon Cooks, you know what his best game has been? No, I knew he drew a pass interference call. Yeah, he did that, but just catches. He had four for 27 against New England. That's his best game. He got eight catches for uh, 49, 65 yards. That's like one good day. For, for most uh, receivers of his caliber. So it's been a slow start for him. I expect him to uh, I expect him to have a big game, man. I just think now's the time. You got him and Stephon Gilmore for games like this week. To me, that's yep. what you did. You got them for games like this week. They're veterans. They've been outstanding players for years. You got them to make plays in games like this. And so we'll see if they can get it done. Uh, defensively, San Francisco is a handful, man. They run that deceptive running game. They got your eyes looking everywhere but where it's supposed to be. 
And y'all know this. In the NFL, for one false step, you go, you beaten. A full false step, and they might take it to the house. And so this has got to be a week for eye discipline, which means read your keys, no matter what they show you in motion and what they show you in counter and trickery, read your keys and make a play from, from based on what you know, based on film study. And uh, they controlled it last year, but that, that offense is, is, is tough, and Christian McCaffrey is a beast, and he makes it tougher because you can read it right, and then he can shake you and still make a big play. Uh, to me, Christian McCaffrey is a cat. I want to say he ain't even getting enough love this year because he should be in the MVP conversation. He got a touchdown in every game this year. He's leading the league in yards from scrimmage. He's leading the league in rushing. He's the focal point of their offense. They got a great team. Um, I think by the end of the year, he'll be in the MVP race. What do you think is the key to stopping San Francisco's offense? Probably, you know, we talk about run fits and run stopping and all that. San Francisco will run the ball regardless. They won't, they, they won't ever give up on the run, so you got to commit. Whatever, however many you need to commit in the run fit, whether it's six, whether it's eight, whether it's seven, you got to commit to their run. So you really, they really cause problems for the back end, which is the secondary. So I think if you can, if you can stop the run with seven, or you can stop the run with seven, maybe a little bit, move a guy up to the box, you can still be good on that. You can still be good on the back end because they do a lot of stuff off of play action. And I don't think uh, Kittle has gotten loose yet. You can't let the tight end get you because that's the one player right there that everybody's not talking about. Uh, no, Kittle, uh, I mean, it's a big it's a big game for J. Ryan Curse because why? He covers the tight end. Right, and he's going to get Kittle. Kittle's, uh, you know, I had the stats right up here and then they flipped away. Uh, Kittle had seven for 90 against the Giants. He's been a non-factor in the other three games. He had three for 19 against Pittsburgh, three for 30 against the Raiders, one for nine against the Cardinals. Uh, J. Ron Curse's job is to slow him down. But, I mean, they got weapons all over the place. And the thing about their play-action game is it is really married to their run game. So all those plays look alike, which is why they're so effective. Uh, and so that's where, that's where the eye discipline really comes in handy for the Cowboys. And Brock Purdy, 21 or 22 last week. So people can say what they want to about he's not that good or he doesn't do this so well. All I know is at the end of the day, Brock, Brock Purdy be putting up the numbers, and the numbers don't lie to me. Yeah, um, I'm lost a regular season game. Yeah. Nah, and at some point, somebody going to respect him. I mean, he's only 6'1", 220. He was a seventh-round pick. But, uh, dude, he got five touchdowns, no interceptions this year. Uh, he's got a passer rating. His worst passer rating is 93.1. He's been over 111 in three of the four games. So you can say what you want to about Brock Purdy. The dude does not make mistakes. He's completing 72% of his passes. Uh, passer rating of 115. Uh, for those of you who get down with QBR, it's 84.6. Both of those uh, lead the league. He's only been sacked seven times. Uh, I, think it's, I don't think this is complicated. One, you gotta you gotta make sure Kittle's taken care of, but two, you gotta rush the passer. You gotta be disruptive. You gotta get him off his spots. You gotta make him uncomfortable. You gotta hit him. Uh, you gotta put him under duress so that he makes mistakes. There's not a quarterback in the well. Uh, let me not tell that lie. Uh, here's the more here's the more truthful statement. 
there's not a quarterback in the league that if you bang him around all game and harass him and put him under duress, who's not going to give you a mistake at some point because you're going to force them to do it. Uh, you let cats at this level sit in the pocket and pick out who they want to go to, it's going to be a long day for you no matter who that quarterback is. Now, that ain't breaking no news. That's just telling y'all how it is. And so I think when you look at it, uh, it's not just Micah Parsons. Now, like last year, Micah Parsons, 13 and a half sacks, 13 tackles for loss. In the playoff game against San Francisco, no sacks, no tackles for loss. He has got to be an impact player this week. Uh, I think uh, Dan Quinn does a great job moving him around. I think they'll keep him away from Trent Williams. Uh, yeah. Give, <laughs> yeah. Got to do that. Got to do that because if people start running at him, it's a problem for him. Yeah, and uh, that's why he got to play big this week because just like them, San Francisco, they got to win first down defensively so that they can put uh, San Francisco and Brock Purdy in situations where they got to throw. Because Cowboys, Cowboys play a bunch of man-to-man defense more than anybody else in the league so far this year. Why? Because their pass rush is terrific and they think that they can get there uh, before you can exploit their man-to-man defense. Um, I thought it would go down a little bit because Diggs is out, but they really trust Deron Bland. And so, uh, they, I mean, they're betting we can get you or harass you or get you off your spot before you get the ball off. And so, just like you said, the Cowboys front line, front offensive line got to play well. I think the same thing goes for San Francisco. They got to keep him bright, pretty clear uh, for them to do what they want to on offense. Uh, have you got an X factor in this game? Somebody who's not one of the stars who got to play big. Um, I want to say I want to see Dorrance Armstrong. I want to see Dorrance Armstrong uh, get off again. I mean, he had eight sacks last year. He had uh, two sacks a couple of games ago. I like the formation where they put put uh, number eleven and ninety on one side. Parsons and Lawrence on one side, Dorrance on the other. I want to see him get off. All right, I like that. Uh, my X Factor, I, I mentioned him already, is J. Ryan Curse. I think he's got to control Kittles. Uh, Kittles is probably in San Francisco. They're probably saying, huh, about time for him to pop one and have a big game. And I'm just thinking that uh, tight end is best friend against a big pass rush. That's the way I used to get down in Madden before I learned how to pass protect. Uh, and so I just think that if you can control Kittles, the Cowboys will take their chances on on the outside with the corners that they have, and so uh, yeah, that's a good match. That's a good matchup to watch. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think no, that's a good matchup to watch right there. Yep, it should be good. Um, here's one other thing: Cowboys have been really good on special teams this year. Uh, yep. I think that that may give them an edge. Uh, their kicker's been terrific, and um, you know, Turpin gave him a big punt return last week. Even though it got called back, their coverage units have been good. Um, and so maybe uh, they can get an edge in special teams, and that might turn the game one way. That being said, it's that time where uh, I give you my prediction. And so, you know, it's not my job to have hope, faith, and optimism. My job to deal in reality. And so I think uh, it's going to be a tough one, but I got San Francisco winning 24-20. What you got? Man, man, much as I love football, and I live and breathe football. I hate predicting games. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go the opposite. I'm probably jinxing my boys. I know you don't believe in luck, but I'm going to go Cowboys 27, 
San Francisco 17. Okay, you know, there's, there's no shame in that. Uh, I did a podcast jam session with Matt McLaren for three years. I did a radio show with him for two years. He never once picked against the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. And uh, now it's time. Uh, so, yeah, that, so there it is. Who wins and why? I've got the uh, San Francisco 49ers winning 24-20. Uh, Big Jordan, Big Rig has got the Cowboys going 27-17. Uh, I'm down with that if that happens. You know, I love a good story. And when the Cowboys win, hey, hey, it is good for business for everybody in Dallas-Fort Worth. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, <laughs> so with that, let's uh, let's uh, give my man Clarence e. Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, the longest-tenured beat writer in Dallas-Fort Worth, sponsored each and every Friday by my friends over there at Smokey John's Barbecue. Let's give him a call and uh, see what his thoughts are on your Dallas Cowboys and San Francisco 49ers. Coming right up. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's happening, Doc? I'm sorry, can you hear me now? Yes, yes. Verizon. We can hear you. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. No, no, I'm driving. I'm, I'm driving in my car. So I'm just trying to make sure you hear me. No, that's good, man. We appreciate you. Uh, this is Clarence Hill right. Jr. Brought to you by the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and Smokey John's Barbecue each and every Friday during the football season. All right, uh, real quick, man. I like to start at the beginning. Uh, what's the key for this game for your Dallas Cowboys to pull it out? I mean, it's simple. I mean, it is elementary. Don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over. I mean, you take away. If Dak doesn't turn the ball over twice last year, and, and, and they get the turnover that that, that uh, Diggs dropped, it's a different game. You know, and they win that game. But you don't turn the ball over, um, they win the game. And that's been the formula for success for this team. Uh, you know, since Dan Quinn has been there, they win the turnover battle. They turn people over. They don't turn the ball over. They win more often than not. But, I mean, I know it's simple. You know, you can take stop the run. You can, you know, you can talk about all the plays in the past. You can tell about red zone. But it, it's really simple. If they don't turn the ball over, they win this game, you know, and, and and because there's this notion that the Cowboys have not been competitive. There's this notion that they just can't handle the 49 They've blown them out. One score game each last two years. And that playoff game, even besides that turnover, it was 19 to 12, and the Cowboys had a chance to win at the end. You know, uh, it's not like the 49 are a level above the Cowboys. They've not been a level above. The Cowboys have turned the ball over. Don't turn the ball over. So even if San Francisco don't turn it over, if Dallas don't turn it over, they'll win. I think so, yeah, for sure. You know, because it, San Francisco didn't turn the ball over last year. Dallas turned the ball over twice. Dallas and Dallas was the difference in the game. Okay. Now I'm gonna ask you a question. Cause I'm I don't I know you are a Dak defender, but I don't think I've ever asked this question. I don't think. Why do you think Dak gets so much criticism? Okay, like I know you defend him. Huh? Let, let me correct you. I, yeah. I rarely get narrative. I rarely get narrative. That's what I do. I, I hate. I hate erroneous narrative. I hate the narratives that have, have gone all over the place, and that that's what I rarely get. I know it comes across as a back defensive, but I, I rarely get narratives because I think that we should keep it real and, and, and be honest about the situation. Now, why do I think the the deck criticism is is, is is over the top? Yeah, because I think it's over the top. It, 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 it is over the top. I mean, you know, we talked to Michael Parsons yesterday, and 
these little kids, you know, I, I, I spent Tuesday with Michael Parsons at this uh, event uh, he was doing with the kids. They were grilling about different things. And the first thing one of them asked was about, are you okay with Dak Prescott? Are you okay with his interceptions? And Michael Parsons like, stay off social media. It's not the kids and the parents. Y'all got to get these kids off social media. They're 9 and 10 years old. You know, <laughs> you know, they act like Dak is an interception machine. He's not. It, and, and we've blown up. I mean, I've covered this game a long time. And I remember when Brett was throwing 30 in the steps, Brett Favre, and, and Peyton Manning with 20, 28 in the steps. And, you know, I know that Dak has not, throughout his career, has been a guy who's taking care of football, not throwing the steps. And, and, and uh, you know, if you want to do a little homework, exercise, I've done it. Dak's 15 interceptions to lead the league, which is the league time 15 interceptions, is the lowest league high interceptions going back to the 30. The 30. <laughs> I look at the year, see the Elton year. The 15 he had last year was the lowest for a league leader going back to the 30. So the notion that he was just reckless with the ball and, and how dare he throws it, that's not the case. It's not true because of Dak Prescott. And I blame the media. I blame the national media. I blame, you know, because they talk to Cowboys all the time. And, you know, I've admonished the Dan Olaskis and everybody who's done these segments about Dak's interception, but they never did a segment about the interception leader from the year before, the year before, the year before that. You know, and and, and, and so we've, we've created this whole narrative that Dak throws an interception. Dak, no one's going to go through the league the year without throwing an interception. I mean, that's, that's, that's silly. You know, he will have the interception games this year. But to sit up here like Dak is reckless with the ball and just, you know, is an interception machine, that's not true, but it's because of the star. It's because of the Cowboys. It's because, and I would say this, and I know Tony got a lot of criticism, but the, but the media is different today than it was even when Tony Romo played with all the, the first takes and the undisputed and the different type of uh, sports talk shows on TV and everything else. Uh, and and the, the social media aspect to it, the, the, the fervor, for Cowboys and then the fervor for Cowboy hate. And, again, there's more Cowboys hate than ever. You know, and I know I'm getting along with it, but it, it's funny because if Michael Irvin is a, is a avid Cowboys supporter on TV, but you never hear Michael Irvin ripping another team's player or another team just because they're a rival. But you got Shady McCoy and you got Barn Scott and you got people who would take joy in downing the Cowboys and downing Dak Prescott, they even they take joy in that as part of TV. You know, this is not even, you know, objective analysis anymore. So that's part of it. Yeah, but you got you got to admit that he played bad last year. Did I, did I say did he play bad last year? Like, okay, wait, okay, wait. so bad is relative. Bad is relative. Because if you look at all the EPA numbers, you look at all the numbers, uh, he also played pretty good. The Cowboys were one of the tops in the league in third down conversions. They were number percent. You look at all the analytics and, and, and yards over expected and different things like that. You, you look at, 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 at the offense and, and Dak Prescott, you know, when, when the Cowboys, when Dak quarterback the Cowboys, they were number one in the league in points scored. You know, but we look at one stat and say he was awful, and that's not true. He didn't have his best season, but sit up here and say that he was awful, that's not true either. And you got to add in the four or five drops that went out of receiver's hand. Well, it's not, it's not, 
it's not the it's not how many interceptions he threw. It's the type of interceptions he threw. The ones with the clean pocket. The ones with guys like the one against Houston where the guy's standing shoulder to shoulder with the tight end and they just kind of pop it up like a volleyball. Where was he going with that ball? It's, it's stuff, it's stuff like that. I'm not, I'm, I'm, you, you, you talking about the interception in the Houston game. I can talk about interception in the Jacksonville game where he's driving to win the game and hit the boy the right in the hand. I can yeah. talk about interception in the Green Bay game where, where, where CD didn't run, right, did run the right route, didn't, didn't, didn't close on the route. All the other steps yeah. in the Green Bay game where CD and the tight end were in the same area where they shouldn't have been. I mean, we, we can go day for day on that, but there were few interceptions. I'm sorry, I, I, I disagree with you. Few of the interceptions were a clean pocket. He just made a bad read. That's 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 patently false. Oh, we need to that, go that to the. That, that was not. That was not. That was not the great that. We need to that watch that. You, you, we need to watch you, you, that you, all twenty-two. We need to watch that all twenty-two. And you, I said, I said that that was not the great majority of his interceptions. That was all not right, the great majority of his interceptions. Well, Big John the Big Red will bring. Uh, evidence next week about how many clean pocket interceptions there were. And we, yeah. we will run through that so, on next Friday. Hey, I love Dak. Let's, let's get it straight. I, love, I want Dak to get his money. I love Dak. Um, but when you, I, I'm, I'm not on them other TV shows and all that crap. But when I see him play and I see him throw the ball away like that, you talk about the ball bouncing off uh, Noah Brown hands in Jacksonville. I can talk about him throwing the end zone, a, a red zone interception in Jacksonville, where once again the the, yeah, the players standing but, side but, by side. I understand that, and, and again, nobody's going to be perfect, okay? But when you're leading, when you when you're driving to win the game, and you throw a ball and hit your boy in both hands, yeah, I, see, I like this. See, I, I go back to the Green Bay game, okay? Yeah. That interceptions, two interceptions in the first half. After that, he went touchdown, 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 and they up by 14 points. Yeah. Okay? In the second half. So I like the way my quarterback bounces back. I, I want your quarterback to make mistakes and bounce back. Okay? He didn't throw in the second that Green Bay game late. You know, they, the offense didn't get it done late. The defense blew a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter. We don't even talk about that. Okay? But he had those two in the Green Bay game, and he went touchdown, 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 touchdown. And they took a lead. They had a double digit lead going to the fourth quarter, and God considered the best defense in the world gave it up at the end. But it's all that. You know, if you talk about that early in the sense against Jacksonville, where late in the game, he was driving them to win the game. They had to lead, driving them to win the game, and what? You throw a ball perfect. The, the best ball you can throw to get a first down to push you in field goal range, and your, your guy drops it. So, yes, it won't be perfect. There won't be some picks like any quarterback. Like Patrick Mahomes threw two picks. Against uh, you know the Jets defense, that's part of the game. And as we as we move away from the Dak debate, uh, what? Uh, oh, we move. Yeah, we moving away yeah. from the call. You yeah. exactly right. He he defend the hell out of Dak. But moving on. Now he defend the narrative. I mean, he 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 get down with the narrative. Uh, uh, what I, 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 I'm not with the narrative. I never thought. First of all, I'm, I don't think Dak is, is Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Dak is Patrick Mahomes. Dak is not, uh, don't have top shelf on talent. I understand, I accept that. But the notion that he can't read defenses, the notion that he just throws the ball willy nilly, he's regular the ball, that's not fact. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> so, so uh, what the, uh, before we move on to the defense, what the, what the Cowboys got to do to get Brandon Cooks going? He's got eight for 66 this year, and he's been a non factor. For the most part. He has been 
you know, um, same thing they did when, they, when, they, when, they, when Michael Gallup wouldn't catch it in the first two games, they started throwing to him. Oh, you remember, you look at Michael Gallup, look at Michael Gallup's number the first two games. Right. And we had no same question about, about Michael Gallup, but, you know, then Hook got injured. You know, certainly they, they, they threw a lot of things, a lot of scrimmage. I mean, they tried to get in the ball uh, in, in the Cardinals game, and they, you know, they it was red zone. You know, I just don't think you should be throwing red zone balls over the, over you know, in the end zone over the middle of the field to, to a five A receiver. Yeah. You know, they got five, and, five and, days to, and Dak didn't see the linebacker dropping underneath, but that's a whole nother. Uh, that's, that's a whole that's, nother. That's not true. That's, that's, not, that's, 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 that's patently false. I mean, I, I need to armchair guys who. I, I talked to Dak. We talked to the coach. He did see the linebacker dropping underneath. He was trying to throw up behind him. He did see. Oh, the problem oh, is, yes, he saw the linebacker. I mean, the idea that he didn't see the linebacker is wrong. I mean, well, don't, 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 don't parrot that. Don't repeat that. He saw him. He knew he was doing it. Defensively, how do they handle San Francisco's offense? Well, you know, they've done a pretty good job. I mean, again, 19 points last year uh, against that San Francisco offense. But, yeah, they got to stop the run. You know, I, when Michael Parsons, they, they, they have to tackle. You know, they, they, they you know, you know the things, they Christian McCaffrey and Debo again, they get a lot of stuff up breaking tackles and missed tackles and making you miss. They have to tackle. They have to stop the run. You know, good news is that, that you saw – uh, Mozzie and the defensive line have a better game uh, last week uh, against uh, the Patriots. Now, the Patriots certainly don't have the running backs that, that uh, the 49ers do, and they don't have the same type of scheme. But the defensive line, you know, showed that they can bottle some things up. You saw the linebackers run to the football like they have run all year. You know, you just saw some things, you know, out of Layton. You know, they didn't show uh, the week prior. So, you know, tackle and then to get up to the quarterback. Mark Purdick is not a perfect quarterback. I know he he has not he made mistakes, but you got to you got to you got to force him to make mistakes. And again, the Cowboys had an interception off of him last year that digs drop. But you you got to you got to make him make mistakes and take advantage of him. But that, that's the key. You got to you got to stop the running game. You got to stop McCaffrey. You got to stop uh, Debo Samuel and then get off the quarterback. That's a lot to stop, dog. Is it? I mean, I think it is. Okay. 
Is it that they scored 70 yet? I mean, yeah, yeah, they scored. I mean, who have they blown the doors off outside of Pittsburgh, the same team that used to blow the doors off? Oh, that man said. I mean, have they, they blown the doors? Have they blown the doors off anybody? Like the like Cowboys, I'm trying to figure out. What if they become unstoppable though? No, I mean they blew the doors off the Cardinals. That was a, that was a close game. That was, that was for, for much of the game. That it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't like that. The, the score indicated so, but but they were supposed to do that to the Cardinals at home. And 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 you look at uh, the Rams game. But I'm just saying if they beat them 35 to 16, they just scored. No, I, I think the problem is. I, I think what I'm saying is. They've played four games. They scored 35, 30, 30, 30. So they're getting 30 points a game. And so I'm not saying that. And, you know, they've won by, I mean, so they won by I, double I, digits. I, so that's all I, I'm I saying. The, I think the key for the Cowboys is they, if anybody knows that uh, Shanahan is Dan Quinn, you know. Right. And Dan right, Quinn right, knows right. it from the days. I mean, again, Dan Quinn has, has done a decent job defending them the past couple of years. If you yeah. look at, the other way that the numbers they played, they have not scored 30 against the Cowboys. You know, and, and it was 23 and it was 19. You know, the Cowboys defense had a modicum of success against that, that team, you know. And, again, that, that's what I said. If you don't help them out with turnovers, give them short fields, and, and, and do what you're supposed to do, you can, you can play with this team. I mean, this, this is not a situation where, you know, this, this team has just been a level above the Cowboys. You know, that, that, that's certainly not the case. Uh, all right. But defensively, you have to stop the run. Yeah, they got all they got all the eye candy, and they go do all the eye candy. But we were talking <laughs> to Dan Quinn. They got they got mismatch too. They, they they got they got they got some matchup things that they like to do against them too. So we'll see a bigger game. That's why it's on Sunday night football. Yes, yes sir. sir. on Sunday night football. Okay, who you got? Uh, no, don't take a deep. Story. Don't take a don't don't take a deep side now. Who you got? Before we let you go from this very impassioned, passionate conversation we've had today, uh, so passionate you got Big John the Big Rig talking. He don't never talk. Because uh, <laughs> everybody got something to say about that guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, it ain't even. It ain't even. It ain't even. It ain't even. Now, for those of y'all who don't know, Big John the Big Rig and Clans have also known each other for for years because. All my friends know each other, and yeah. all all the Clarence's friends I know. So we we all know each other for for many many years. Yeah. Um, oh, before we love. let you, it's all love. before we let you go, dog. Texas OU this weekend. I mean, I know you got the Longhorns, but how you see the game playing out? Well, um, I would say that this the Longhorns should be number one team in the country. I'm not, I not, you know, they, they should be. I, I know you're a Buckeye. I, I didn't say nothing about us being number one. I just said this. It, it always be said, if they can win this game, when, when the beast, when the when the uh, CFP poll come out, they will be number one. They have they have the best resume. They played, they they beat ranked teams. They beat Alabama at home. You say what you want about Alabama? Not been Alabama. 
maybe the whole Mississippi State by double digits. The only team that beat them is 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 is, is, is the Longhorns. You know, um, but they 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 Georgia's not beating the right team. Michigan's not beating the right team. Uh, they played. They have the best resume. And and on the flip side, Oklahoma's played nobody. You know, this will be the toughest game, toughest team Oklahoma's played. Uh, so uh, this will be the best defense Oklahoma's played. And I just think that this is Texas has better offense. They have the better defense. They should win this game. Why is this Texas team different? Uh, defense. Just, you know, in the past, the last couple of years, Texas had a decent team, had a decent shot. It was all offense, and the defense was just, you know, getting toyed with, like C.D. Lamb did against Texas in, in the Cotton Bowl a couple of years ago. They, they would have to win 48-40, uh, things like that. This defense is pretty good. This defense is soft. They got, they, got, they got NFL prospects on every level of this defense. They will probably have six or eight guys drafted this year. This, this, this defense is, is, is good, is deep, is salty. That's, that's the difference come to past years when, you know, they would have a lead. Start first year, they, they blew like five games with blown lead. You know, this defense is different. All right. Well, hey, we appreciate it. You heard it here from Clarence Hill Jr. Dak is the best quarterback of all time, and this Texas Longhorns is the best team of all time. We appreciate you, dog. This now, hang up quick before he say something else. You better, because I got something to say. What, what you got? What you got? <laughs> <laughs> I got now, say something for, for LBs tonight. Yeah. All right, brother. I'll see y'all later. All right, man. Yeah, man. Later. Good talking to you. <laughs> That's Clancy Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Smokey John's got more than their money's worth today <laughs> for sponsoring that episode of uh, Talking With Clarence. And uh, Smokey John's, they over there at 1821 West Mockingbird. And I'm telling you, the food over there is fantastic. And it doesn't matter what you order off the menu. But I'm telling you, if you want to be bold, look the cashier, I mean, look the people in the front when they ask you what you want. And just stare at them for a second, make eye contact, and say, give me that jam session bowl. And somebody behind you will look and be like, jam session bowl? I didn't see that on the menu because you ain't going to find it on the menu. It's on the secret menu. You don't know about it unless you listen to Jock Talk. How about that? Now, let me tell you all about the jam session bowl because it is fantastic. All right? You get your pick, macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes. Pick one. Uh, that serves as the base. Then you get your choice out of two out of five smoked meats. Your boy usually rocks with the brisket and the sausage. That's just how I get down. Then, all that stuff you find on a loaded baked potato, they put that on it. You know, chives and butter and bacon bits and sour cream, all that good stuff, cheese. Then, if you're like me, you say, hey, drizzle it with some of that sauce. Hey, if you like somebody else, you might say drench it with that sauce. Either way, it's fantastic. All right? Jam session bowl. It's enough for two. Easy. If you got a little shorty, five, six, seven, three, y'all can really eat off of it. Two spoons or three. Up to you. And then uh, I'm telling you, it's fantastic. Uh, if it's just one person, you're going to have some leftovers. Two people, you probably have some leftovers, or at least get it later on that day. So jam session bowl is great. Now, check this out, for real. You can have Smokey John's anytime you want it. Because if you go to the website, smokeyjohns.com, click on the marketplace, you can get the sauce or the rub sent to the crib. Easy. All you got to do is click on it. Fill out the information, get it sent to your crib. You have Smokey John's at the house in a couple days. If you need it faster than that, 
They are selling Smokey John's Rub and Sauce. H-E-B all over Dallas-Fort Worth. It's incredible. That's how big my boys are blowing up. Smokey John's Barbecue, it's the best. The Jam Session Bowl is the bestest. Get it as soon as you can. It's love for your mouth. Mm, mm, mm. Now, speaking of love and speaking of mm, 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 how about we got playoff baseball in Texas? Now, before I get to the Rangers, I do want to tell y'all, and I had this debate with Clancy Hill Jr. yesterday. And at the end of the debate, I said, man, you full of poop, except I used another word. He was all saying, and this was a big debate. The Rangers celebrated for 15 to 30 minutes after they, after they clinched the playoff spot. And some folks wanted to seem like they partied all night long after clinching that spot. And that played a, played a role, and they lost the next day to the Seattle Mariners. And, that, and the loss to the Mariners meant that they didn't win the division and that they had a much tougher road to get to the, uh, to get to the World Series because you had to deal with the Rays, who had the second-best record in the American League, and then you'd have to deal with the Orioles, who had the best record in the American League. Okay, well, my take on that was this. The guy, this is not a team that's been to the playoffs regularly, okay? They hadn't been since, uh, you know, I think it was 2011, last time they was in the World Series. Last time uh, they won a series was 2011. Yeah, so this has not been a team. This is not the Astros who say, oh, we go to the World Series every year. We go to the American League Championship Series every year. So when we get to the playoffs, we're just going to have a sip of champagne and keep it moving. Y'all have tasted, y'all have drunk from the big goblet. So it makes sense that you would say, wild card, they ain't no big deal to us. And cheated to get there. See, I didn't even want to throw that in there, yeah, but yeah, cheated to get there. Knocking on, knocking on uh, trash cans and stuff, but all right, go ahead. <laughs> so, so when you're talking about the Rangers, um, if they want to celebrate for a little while because they got in the playoffs, it's okay. It really is. And see, the other thing is, to me, that uh, here's what I'm saying. If they had lost to Seattle in that game and the score had been like, you know, eight to two, and they committed three or four errors in the game, then you could say, okay, maybe they partied too much. What's, what's wrong with them? Instead, they lost one to nothing. And the run run Seattle scored was on a close play at the plate where High missed the sweep tag. And they were going up against who? George Kirby, who won 13 games for the Mariners. The Mariners didn't lay down. The Mariners didn't yeah. say, well, our season's over. Uh, we're going to run out a uh, spring training B lineup, and y'all just do what you do. The, the Mariners were like, man, y'all ruined our season. Screw y'all. We ain't finna let y'all get the division here. Um, George Kirby, this year, 13-10 and 10 with a 3.35 ERA. Big-time pitcher, man. Um, and so they lose one nothing. They don't commit any errors. That was not an indication that they had partied and they didn't. They forgot about what was really important. They just lost the game, man. They've been a very streaky team all year. So as we move on to uh, the playoffs, it was really cool, I think, to see them bounce back and just dominate Tampa Bay. Outscored them eleven to one. Neither game was close, and uh, now. Wait, this is always and no nobody in Tampa Bay watched it. No. Um, you know, you bring up a good point. Cause check this out. 
there was 19,000 people there for the games in Tampa, uh, which was the lowest crowd, I think, for a playoff game, non-COVID, since like the 30s. And here's what it did. I mean, again, I ain't breaking no news here. It neutered whatever home field advantage that they had. For example, I don't know if you've seen this, dog. Have you seen any of the highlights from the Phillies game yesterday? No. Dude, that place was rocking. Like, like they got uh, on Twitter, they had a clip of a dude from Stotts, dude from Phillies, hit a grand slam yesterday. And they just played the ambient noise. Like, no yeah. announcers. They just yeah. played the noise. Yeah. That place was rocking. Philly is a sports town, though. Philly is, That's what I'm saying. Is, is known for that, man. That so when, when you compare that, where you got a crowd of look like about, I mean, it's full. It's 40-something thousand there. They are packed. They are wearing either that Columbia blue or that maroon or that red. Yep. It is packed. And them folks are going crazy. And they hit that homer, and it was just I, you know, I ain't, even, I don't, I get two, two dead flies about the Phillies, but I was like, damn, that was cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, now they ain't had none of that in Tampa Bay, so the yeah. Rangers, you know, they didn't have to deal with the crowd. They gonna have to deal with the crowd in Baltimore because them folks ain't had playoff baseball in a minute. Baltimore is a baseball city. Uh, the Orioles have won championships back in the day. Go back, uh, go back to the celebration though. Yes, sir. They they doubled down on the celebration with the with the with the champagne and all of that. And and the people from Houston was like, we celebrate championships and we don't celebrate, you know, winning series and stuff like that. It's crazy, man. I don't know. I, th- I mean, you know, that's that's Houston being in this particular case, Houston. Uh, the Astros have some obnoxious fans. Every team that has winning, every team that wins is not obnoxious. Uh, the Astros seem to be obnoxious about it, and that's okay. That's their right. You know, um, I'm just of the belief, and I've been on the bad side of it. You know, when you win, you just say whatever you want to say because you won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. true that. You can be the biggest seven-letter cuss word you want to be because you won, and uh, everybody else just got to deal with it. And so, uh, you know, I think the key for the Rangers, uh, and this, I don't know if they can keep this up, man. This is what I know. They uh, somehow this raggedy Rudy Poot pitching staff, in part because injuries have torn it apart. Whether we're talking about Degrom earlier in the season, whether we're talking about um, uh, Scherzer late in the season, we're talking about John Gray with forearms. I mean, they've had no luck when it comes to pitching. The bullpen has been just terrible all year. Uh, collectively, they've been trashed. But somehow, they gave up one run, one run, no one, no runs, and one run in the last four games. That's three runs in the last four games. Starting pitching has been terrific. Uh, if Evaldi, who pitched yesterday, um, had his best start since he got hurt, if he can go back to the first half Evaldi, and you got Montgomery, and Dane Dunning can be what he's been most of the year, all of a sudden, the starters will keep you in the game. Okay, but here's the deal. And I said this all day yesterday. They were laughing at me. And I'm talking about the reporters out of the Cowboys. Even when the Rangers were up by a touchdown yesterday, I was like, there is no lead big enough that this bullpen can't blow. And so um, I think the key to Baltimore, because Baltimore's got a really good bullpen, the key to me will be it's the Texas Rangers. So what do you think it's going to be, man? It's going to be the lineup. 
uh, when they've got all, because this, this is as healthy as their lineup has been since the All-Star break. And they've added the X Factor. And the X Factor is Evan Carter. Yep. He's the X Factor. 21 years old. Yep. Solidified left field. And now, I mean, he's playing like he's a 10-year veteran. And the thing that he does, he's batting ninth. There's been some talk about with low struggling, should you move him to third. Uh, and there may be some consideration for that. But with him batting ninth, no, he doesn't get as many at-bats because he's ninth. But what he does is he's hitting so well, he's turning that lineup over to Simeon and, and uh, Seager, and they're doing their thing. And so, you know, it's uh, there's no way in the world you could think that a guy who started the season in A-ball, moved to double-A, spent a week at triple-A, and then got called up because of an injury, is hitting 300 and had just a hell of a series. I mean, you could have easily made him the MVP of the series if you wanted to uh, as a 21-year-old as a rookie who had that kind of impact. But what he's done, uh, he gives them a puncher's chance, man, uh, maybe even more than that, to beat, uh, to beat Baltimore, which had the best record in the American League. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think the game starts Saturday. Uh, there's something to be said, I think, you would have liked to read the rest for the pitching staff, but, you know, the Rangers had that disappointment in Seattle where they lost three or four. But before then, they had what? They had won six in a row, seven out of eight. And so maybe this, they've been a streaky team all year, and they need to play while they're hot. And so maybe this, is, uh, this will help them. And uh, Baltimore's been off for a minute, and maybe they can steal game one and get this series off to a good start and put some pressure uh, Baltimore, because the thing about Baltimore is they've had the best record, but it's not like they've been running roughshod through the playoffs the last several years. And so they may be susceptible to having a little pressure because they're supposed to win. Texas is not supposed to win. All the pressure is on everybody not named the Texas Rangers. And with that, let's move on to your favorite segment of the week. Y'all know what it is. Don't act like you don't. It's time for that news you can't see here re get anywhere but the Jock Talk Podcast every Friday right here on Jock Talk. So let's start off with this. You know who's become a good player and who I actually talked to the other day because he made one of the biggest plays of the game? That is your boy, Jalen Tobin. And what he did was he made himself a factor on special teams. Now I talk to y'all a lot about this. I often evoke the name of Ezekiel Elliott as a guy who made himself a factor on special teams uh, with uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes against Purdue with a big hit, and they rewarded him with more playing time as a running back, and then he turned that into an All-American career and the rest is history. Well, I asked Jalen Tobert in the locker room the other day, I said, dog, I heard that hit. Did you feel it? How did it feel? He said, you know what? I didn't really feel it so much as, I've, as I felt it. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, I didn't really feel the hit, but I felt the crowd get hyped by the yeah. hit, and that's what I really felt. He said, and then CD, uh, CJ, um, I forgot CJ's last name, even though I talk to him every week. Is it Goodwin? Was, yeah, CJ Goodwin came yeah. over there and jumped on me and knocked my breath out of me because <laughs> he was so excited, and so I just had to, it just took me a minute to do it. So the natural question is, because Jalen Tober's a big dude, 
I said, you ever played special teams before? Because I'm thinking that you haven't. He said, no, sir, I haven't played special teams. I said, hey, dog, I may look like a sir, but I'm really young at heart, so don't ever call me sir again. And so we started talking about him. He said, well, you know, I was a good receiver in high school, so I never played special teams. Then I got to college, and they wouldn't let me play special teams until my last year. And even then, they didn't put me on it but a little bit. I said, why? He said, well, my coach had played in the league. And he said, you know, you're from a smaller school. When you get to the league, because he gave me confidence I was going to get there. He said, when you get to the league, you're going to have to play special teams. So let us give you a little taste of what it's like here so you can get a feel for what it's like going to be like there. And so I said, well, what has it been like? He said, man, I had never done it really until I got here. And so the one thing CJ told me, because CJ been coaching me up on it, is run fast. I said, well, that seems rather simple. And he looked at me and said, it is, but everybody don't do it. He said, but you got to run fast. He said, because, you know, they're trying to stop you the whole way down. They're pushing you, they're holding you, they're tugging you. So the thing is, you got to get away from them as soon as possible and stack them. I said, stack them, what that mean? He said, oh, you know, you got to get on top of them so that they're running behind you. Then they can't stop you because if they run on the side of you, they can still pull you, grab you, tug you. When you're on top of them, they can't do anything with you. So that's what happened on that play. I was able to get away from them with my release. Then I got on top of them, and then it was just running down there, and I just tried to make a hit, man, and run through the guy, and that's what happened. I said, well, it's a big play. He said, yeah, because two plays later, we got a fumble, got a touchdown, and all the guys came up and dapped me up because they said, if you hadn't made that hit, we wouldn't have got this touchdown. And that, my friends, is why um, you know Jalen Tobert was really happy and got a lot of attention this week yeah. for a special teams play. Yeah. That's some of the kind of insights you get on Whispers from the Star. That news you can't see here, we get anywhere but the Jack Talk podcast each and every Friday. Now, let me tell y'all something. A lot of y'all might have been excited. Oh, I forgot. I didn't, I, you know, I got to preach it. I didn't give my man time for the whoosh. You got to tee me up. Okay, go ahead. You know, sometimes, you know, it's like the preacher, man. You forget to tell the organ got to yeah. start playing. Yeah. So, uh, I talked to somebody in the building yesterday who was not all that excited about the 66-yard field goal attempt they were trying at the end of the first half. Oh, I can't blame him. Now, now you might ask yourself, well, why wasn't he excited about that? He said because the kicker is going so good, I don't want nothing to ruin his rhythm. I don't want nothing to ruin his yes. mojo. 66-yard yes. field goal attempt might ruin his mojo. He might miss it and start feeling a certain way about missing it. He said, or, and the guy looked at me and said, you know, when you kick a 66-yard field goal, they all say that they kick every field goal the same. He said, but they don't. He said he's going to try to put a little more leg into it to make sure that he get it the 66 yards. Uh, he said with that, he could strain a groin. I said, dog, come on, man. You being a little caught. He said he looked at me like, I've seen it happen. I, said, I mean, you know, you know more football about me. So I said, okay. And then he looked at me and said, you know, sometimes God looks out for you. Fools and babies, that's who God protects. He said, I'm not saying the coach was being a fool, but he just protected us. And then he looked at us, he looked upward at the ceiling and crossed himself and walked on. I'm just telling you, everybody might have liked the 66-yard field goal attempt, but there was one guy who didn't. So you can't now, tell us who he is? Is we, we keeping that under wraps? Or? Yeah, we keeping that under okay, wraps. Okay, I'm just checking. I'm just everybody sure. don't need to know everything, dog. I'm just making sure you ain't forget to say who, no. who he is. Okay. All yeah. right. You then. just hit that swoosh right now. Let's keep it moving. All right, then. That is. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent some time yesterday with Duran Bland yesterday, and I ran my theory past him. And y'all know what my theory is. And I told him the exact thing I tell y'all all the time. I said, Doug, 
I believe certain cats are just drawn to the ball, certain cats say. And what example did I use? Y'all know what example I used. I said, you know, they had a cornerback here named Byron Jones. Played yes. five years, intercepted two passes. I said, really good cornerback because he got a five-year, $80 million deal, and they don't get that deal to bums. I said it just like that to him when I was talking to him. And Deron Bland, a young guy, so he just laughs at all my jokes because he still thinks I'm important. Uh, so we started talking about interceptions. He said, I've always had a knack for the ball. I just, you know, I just, I played receiver in high school and I know routes and route combinations. So I, I just have a feel for what they're going to try to run sometime. He said, but when I got here, Coach Quinn, see, he a young guy. They still call him Coach. When you've been a veteran, you start calling by their by they name because you both grown men. He said, Coach, um, Coach Quinn and Coach Harris, they tell you always attack the ball. I mean, they emphasize attack the ball. They go, because most receivers, um, most receivers wait for the ball to go get it. He says, so if you attack it, you have an even better chance to get it than they do. And that's just the way we play. He said, Coach Harris is talking about it all the time. Like yep. every play, he's like, attack the ball, attack the ball, attack the ball, attack Coach the Harris ball. Coach Harris was a baller too. Well, I was going to say, you know, he get mad if you don't attack it. Um, you know, so that's what uh, that's what Al Harris is all about. Al Harris had 21 interceptions in his career, yes, indeed. but uh, uh, most of that with the Green Bay Packers. And so Deron said, "That's what I do, man." And uh, you know, I wait for opportunities to to make a play on the ball, and whenever I have an opportunity, I try to attack the ball and come down with it. So that's Deron Bland. Uh, he also said this, because I asked him, what's the difference between slot and, and, uh, and corner for you? He said, there's so much going on at the slot. You got to keep your head on the swivel because everything is happening so fast. He said, out of the corner is actually, to me, a little easier because you're just really just worried about the cat in front of you, not everything else with the running game and the run fits because you, yep. you are part of the front seven if you're in the slot. He said, out there in the corner, I can actually focus just on my guy. I ain't got to think about nothing else. Yep. So A lot more traffic, a lot more traffic at, at, this, at the slot back. No, absolutely. Moving right along now. Sam Williams. Spend some time talking to him. You know the first thing I noticed about Sam Williams, y'all? I need to ask him this next time I see him. This would truly be news you only get here on Jock Talk. Looked like he got his teeth done already. Normally cats don't do that to their second contract, but his teeth were so straight and so white, it just made me wonder. Has he got his teeth done already? No shade. No shade. I'm serious about that. Getting your teeth right is all about feeling good about yourself. But that's the question I got for him next. Ask him about his pass rush because he's been close to the quarterback, but he hasn't really had many sacks yet. He said, they're coming. He said, I got the bull rush down. I'm getting in the backfield, but I got to add another move, another transition because I'm not quite finishing. And I'm trying to finish, but by the time I get there, Micah and Tank already got all the sacks. And to that, I said, well, you do, you do, sir. You do know what you need to do. Uh, but good conversation with him. But uh, Sam Williams working on his pass rush moves because he's not satisfied with the number of sacks he's gotten yet. Moving right along here to the last two quick items on Whispers from the Star. That news you can't see anywhere but the Jack Talk podcast. Trey Lance. Y'all know I had to stop by to talk to Trey Lance for just a second. Uh, okay. Just a second. I said, hey, dog, how many tickets you need for this week? He looked at me, and he started smiling. None. That ain't my home no more. And with that, he walked off. Mm. <laughs> Wasn't no long conversation with Trey, but I thought it was funny, and I thought it was a little bit insightful. Moving right along to my last item this week on 
Jock Talk, whispers from the start. That news you can't see here, we get anywhere but the Jock Talk podcast. Hit the swoosh. That's a hell of a tee off. Yeah, we're going to figure out why we got the band playing before the swoosh, but that's a topic for another day. I don't know about uh, that. Dak Prescott's favorite player growing up, Peyton Manning. I just thought y'all might want to know that. Louisiana boy, Ludway controlled the line of scrimmage and the offense. I mean, Peyton Manning was a lot of kids. Omaha, Omaha. There you go. But since <laughs> Dak Prescott is your quarterback, I thought you should know who his favorite player was. And that, my friends, is another episode of Whispers from the Star. That news you can't see here, we get anywhere but the Jock Talk podcast each and every Friday during the football season. Uh, we appreciate Greening Law for bringing you this podcast and all the help that they do. You can check them out at greeninglaw.com. And finally, until we chat again, from Big Joe to Big Rig, y'all be blessed.